0: Wednesday, August 5th, 2020. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and all Saints Shorts in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. Hey, Chet, Flyers picked up a game one round robin win. The Sixers are, well, still the Sixers, even though they picked up a win today. Phillies have an awful bullpen, tried to blow an 11 3 lead today while the Major League Baseball still has a huge problem. And Doug Peterson tested positive for COVID-19. It's August, and the sports world is going crazy.
1: You know, Bill, I'm really wondering if baseball or, you know, football will be able to get their seasons in, but it seems to be working for the bubble leagues, uh, you know, hockey and basketball. It is still very odd, though, to be talking about hockey and basketball playoffs here in August, but it is what it is here in this crazy year of 2020, and that that's just the way it is, so
0: let's roll with it. Let's do it. We got a great return, two great return guests tonight in HockeyBuzz.com and Flyers website, beat writer Bill Melter to talk Flyers and longtime Sixers insider from 97.5 The Fanatic, D-Linem to talk Sixers.
1: Yeah, two of our absolute favorites joining us, Bill, both of whom have now made double-digit visits to our show. And the first of those guests tonight is ready to talk hockey with us and officially join our 10-timers club. So let's get them on. Let's get it going.
0: Let's get started. Welcome, Bill Meltzer, back to Philly Press Box Radio. Bill, welcome. Uh, Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Hey, Bill, uh,
1: I tell you, we need you because, as Bill Furman noted at the top, there's a lot of optimism or not a lot of optimism for the Phillies or the Sixers. The Eagles head coach tested positive for the virus. The Flyers clearly are the bright spot in the city right now. Uh, I know they've played just one game that really counts for anything up in the Toronto bubble, Bill, but they looked really good in beating the Bruins last Sunday. Is that a credit to Elaine Vigneault, or are these players just feeling like they can, you know, do something special here in this crazy season?
2: I mean, I think it's a combination of both. Uh, the Flyers are a very well-coached team. They have an experienced staff, and, and it showed all season long. They have a, you know, they play a good system, and they have, they have a deep team you know this team is one of the deeper teams of flyers of ice in, in a long, long long time um you know in in the playoff depth in depth goaltending and and team D are what win more than the mark you know the, the marquee guys you have on a team a lot of times you know, This guy can cancel out another guy but that's you know those are the elements and the flyers seem to have what it takes to be the kind of team that can make some noise you know in in the playoffs here and there never any guarantees there's a lot of parity but The Flyers had a a really strong training camp, a good exhibition game. They took it to the next level in the first game against Boston. And they have two more round-robin games starting um, tomorrow against Washington. Mm -hmm. Um, Flyers already got a little bit of a break today because Boston lost to Tampa Bay. So if the Flyers get even one point from these final two games, uh, they're guaranteed to move up a seed from number four, which means that they cannot play Pittsburgh and they cannot play Carolina in the – in the quarterfinals, the conference quarterfinals. And th- those are two, these would be two tough series. There are no easy ones, but I think that's, uh, you know, it was the objective coming in to get a, you know, maybe, you know, not to not an
0: easier matchup, but hopefully stay away from one of those. Well, Bill, if you had your druthers uh, going into this, where would you like to see them finish?
2: Well, I mean, obviously you, you know, if you can win all three games and you, you get uh, whatever team, whatever team is lowest coming out of the qualifiers, that's always, that's always ideal, but there's, you know, it, it's uh, long gone are the days when you have uh, some team like the Colorado Rockies in the first round of the playoffs, so you're just going to roll over and, you know, move on to the <laughs> real series. Anybody can beat anybody in a given series. Look at, look at last year. Look at the way the Tampa Bay just ran away with the president's trophy. And then what happens? They get swept in the first round, you know? So it's just, it's hockey. The one thing about hockey is, the, you know, what's predictable is it's unpredictable, right? So. You know, but I, I think the Flyers are, are well poised here to, to make some noise and, and, you know, put a nice run together here.
1: Hey, Bill, one of the guys who played so well on Sunday was Michael Roffel. He had the goal and an assist, and then, of course, he got hurt. Uh, how big a blow is that to the team, and what do you expect from Joel Farabee filling in?
2: It, it definitely hurts. You know, Michael Roffel's not a guy you look to for a lot of offense, but he's a guy who, who's really strong on the forecheck. He, he contributes to the penalty kill. He's the guy who can play really any, any of the three forward positions. He played all, all three positions at different times this year, but mostly a winger. Um, mostly plays in the bottom six of the lineup, in the, in the fourth line. He's a real solid fourth line guy. So that definitely hurts. Um, Farabee, will, Farabee will get a look tomorrow. He will not be on the fourth line. He'll be on the third line. Um, he'll be on the line with Derek Grant and um, Nick Abbe-Cubell. And what was really interesting in today's practice – was they put James Van like on the fourth line. And then um, uh, Alain Vigneault had said that he wants to see more out of JVR, that um, he thought he had a decent camp, uh, kind of a just okay exhibition game, and then a a just okay game against Boston. So he's not – you know, he'll send messages to players. He's called out guys earlier this season. And, uh, you know, I mean, JVR being – skating on the fourth line today is definitely a message to him that, you know they they need a little more than they've seen, so that's uh, that to me was the big intrigue. And the other, of course, the other big piece is that um, uh, Brian Elliott will be in goal tomorrow against the Capitals.
0: Yeah, that that's what that's exactly what I was going to ask you. Brian Elliott going to get the start. Um, I assume that means that uh, Carter Hart will go in the next one. But then as we get to the playoffs, I mean, they got to. I'm saying they have to go with one. My opinion is they have to go with one. Uh, is this Elliott's warm up game and uh, it, it gets turned over to Carter Hart from here on out? I think so. I think so. You know, the, the way that these
2: – the way that the schedules are going to work out, you might end up having game, games in back-to-back days, and Hart hasn't really been tested in back-to-back games yet. Um, so, I think you might see a situation there's a back-to-back, you might see Elliott get a start. And it would also depends on how Carter's playing. He could hardly have asked for a better first start than the one he had against the Bruins. I mean, he was it – wasn't, it wasn't just the numbers, the 34 saves and 35 shots. I mean, he was just—he was just had every angle covered. He made tough saves look routine. Just calm, you know, poised in net, and just mature beyond his years. Uh, I think that what he what he showed in that game is what he's shown most of his career so far. So, you know, I think the Flyers are in pretty good good hands with him. But I I think that they also want to get Elliott some work because he's still, he only played really one period in the exhibition game, and you know, in case you need him, you don't want him you don't want him having had really no action since since March. So. You know, I, I think getting him a start, it was kind of a foregone conclusion. He would get one start out of the, uh, out of the round-robin games. It was just a question of which one. And I think the fact that he beat uh, the Capitals twice this season uh, plays into the fact that he's, he's getting the call for tomorrow.
1: How about the veterans, uh, guys like, uh, you know, Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek? How are they playing
2: right now? They're playing well. You know, if you look at that Boston game, uh, Voracek had the one assist on Phil Meyer's goal. But you know, this is where sometimes you look at those where the underlying numbers uh, can be useful. And if you look at the the puck possession stats, they were matched head to head most of the day with Patrice Bergeron's line, which is one of the elite lines in the NHL. They, the The line dominated them. Uh, they they were playing in the Boston end most of, you know most of the game, and uh, that you could do that against that line. You know that that's really saying something. It was Selkie Finals against Selkie Finals. And the Flyer Selkie Finals was better than the Bruins Selkie Finals in that game. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, you could hardly have asked for more. The, the way the defense stepped up in that game, uh, Travis Sanheim and um, Phil Myers and Ivan Provorov. I mean, so far, everything has gone how you would hope that, I hoped it would go. You know, there's always going to be, you know, it's, it's a long ride here. There will be setbacks and, and whatnot. But, uh, you know, I, I can't say enough about the progression from camp to the point they're at now. I think they're in, again, I think they're in a good spot.
0: Hey, Bill, I don't know if it was just me, but it looked like Provorov. besides having the long hair and the beard now, uh, he looks like he's grown to twice the size in just a couple of years that he's been here. He's certainly maturing, filling out. He's a big man out on the ice now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's always led the team in ice time.
2: Uh, I think that uh, he has the confidence level to jump up into plays with more, maybe more than he did. You know, his first year, and last year was a little bit of an inconsistent year. You know, and I think it's, A, his own natural progression, but, B, I think it's the addition of a really solid, steady veteran, and Matt Niskanen is his defense partner. And Niskanen has been a quiet leader on the team, and he's been a tremendous partner for Provorov. They read off each other really well, and I think that Niskanen has helped bring out the best in Provorov and vice versa. Niskanen had a really good bounce back year too.
1: Yeah, I'm really uh, impressed with uh, the defense overall. Uh, is Provorov, do you think, a uh, Norris Trophy candidate in a couple of years?
2: Uh, you know, I think I think that he has that potential. Uh, he's not going to get any consideration this year. You know, no. I mean, they, they already announced the finalists, but I don't expect him to finish in the top eight, even the top ten, possibly. But to me, he's already a top ten defenseman in the NHL. He's right there. Uh, you know, a lot of times the Norris Trophy goes to defensemen who put up a lot of points. Um, he he's a defenseman who can put up forty forty five points, which is certainly respectable. But he's not going to put up the eye popping numbers. A lot of times, you know, a lot of times you need that too. But but I think more important than winning a Norris Trophy is that every night he'll give you twenty five minutes a game. He'll play every situation. If you're up a goal, if you're down a goal, if you're in triple overtime, he's the best conditioned guy on the ice. You know, he has the fastest recovery times, and to me that that's more important than you know, the number of points he puts up or, or where he finishes in the award balloting. He's uh, he's the real deal. He's,
0: he is the Flyers' unquestioned number one defenseman. Well, Bill, I know we've talked about this in the past. Claude Giroux, one of my favorite Flyers. Um, and, and underappreciated, I feel like, still. Uh, does it take a deep playoff run? Uh, obviously, if you win a cup, that's a whole different story. But does it take a deep playoff run for the Flyers? Now that they've got a lot of pieces that he never had in his career, and, and what looks like an outstanding head coach. Uh, is this what it takes to get Claude Giroux the the respect in the in the community that he should get?
2: Well, I, I think so. I mean, he has a very good chance of finishing second in franchise history and scoring by the time he's done. Um, you know, and there have been tremendous players in the organization. He's been a, he's been a rather a hard trophy finalist. He finished fourth two years ago. And to me, he should have been a finalist, even if he didn't win. Uh, his first hundred-point season, you know, whatever whatever you need him to do. I mean, he moved from center to back to wing, where he hadn't played since early in his career. He had some big playoffs early in his career, but you know, he's kind of been a victim of of the team that's been around him because for for a number of years, the reason the reason why the Flyers were even a bubble team, as as I see it, was guys like Giroux and, and Gorachek and Couturier and Wayne Simmons. They were the reason they were even in striking distance of the playoffs. Otherwise. You know, otherwise, they wouldn't have even gotten in, although you know, the Flyers got in a number of times. They just didn't have the depth to get through one round. Now you know, now, he has, now he definitely has better depth around. I mean, Maybe he's not putting up the same numbers he did you know, a couple of years ago, but he still is a very valuable player for the team and a guy who's going to be out in you know, all the key situations. You have a big power play in particular. He's going to be on that left side running the power play, and he's still really, really good at it.
1: Bill, what's the uh, media coverage situation up there in Toronto? Are any of the Philly reporters up there? Are they doing it all remotely? How is that working?
2: Yeah, it, it, it's all remote. Um, very limited number of reporters, particularly American reporters, in part because of the quarantining requirements, also in part because of the, just the cost of staying there all, all that time. Um, so, like, all, all media availability they do by Zoom calls, kinda of like we're doing here. That it's usually ten ten minutes after a game or about half an hour after practice. You'll ask for four players, you get four players and the head coach. And that's your that's your only availability It was the same thing in training camp. Uh the last time we've physically been in the room with the players was um back in the beginning of March. And even, even shortly before the league uh went into pause mode, they uh they started doing the remote press conferences then just for social distancing. So I think that's gonna be around quite a while, honestly Chad. I, I think that uh you know, it's not just going to be this season. I think it's going to spill over in the next season, too.
0: Well, hey, Bill, we got a late start, and you've got to run. So, we want before you go, we want to let you uh, give the viewers a rundown, where they can find you on your social media platforms, everything you have going on. And, by the way, I love that noise in the background there. Music to my ears here in Bat-Tiff Baseballs. I love it. Yep. I
2: was just pitching my son before he came on the air. Um, so – Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at at Bill Meltzer. Uh, You can find my work pretty much every day at flyers.nhl.com. And I'm also the uh, content manager for the Philadelphia Flyers Alumni Association. We're flyersalumni.org. Bill, two final
1: questions for you. You can answer them uh, at one time. Best playoff beard on the Flyers? I'm saying Nate Thompson. And how far do the Flyers go this year?
2: Um, uh, yeah, Best. does play up your see. team. I mean, Borchek has his years around year round. So I'll, I'll go with Nate. I mean, Nate had, <laughs> Nate had his going, you know, i I this has a really good one going too, but I, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Nate Thompson on that one. And, uh, I'll say the flyers get to the conference finals. And from there, you never know.
0: Okay. There you go. All right, Bill. Hey, thanks again for joining us. Taking the time. We really appreciate it. And let's go flyers. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bill. All right all right hey chet if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area we got the spot for you all state insurance in westchester pa
1: Yes, we do. Heck yeah, Bill. One of the best benefits of having an Allstate insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs. Someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what is most important to you and your family. Call Dave today at Allstate in Westchester, PA, 610-430-0700. Again, it's 610-430-0700. 700. And, you know, Bill, further evidence that you and I may be getting old, this song and album was released by a little group out of Liverpool called The Beatles 55 years ago this week, 1965. It's called Help. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Oh, 1965.
0: You know, you've been throwing the 40s and the 45s out there. Now you get to the 55.
1: Yeah, and we remember when they came out, which tells you something.
0: <laughs> that's, that's what I was going to say. Oh, my goodness. Hey, great stuff from Bill. We had to cut him a little short uh, or started a little short. But, uh, you know, I think he's on target. I think the Flyers are going to be good, Jed. I, I, I like what I see. I like the energy. And, uh, you know, big big game against the Capitals tomorrow for sure.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, every game counts now. I mean, I, I guess technically it doesn't matter. You're still going to be one of the top four, likely one of the top three now, as long as you get a point, as Bill said. Um, and NHL playoffs can go, you just never know. From year to year, you get a hot goalie, you can jump up and, you know, win it all, even if you're down near the bottom in the seating. So, but yeah, you do want to finish as high as possible because then you get, you know, the the home ice situation even though you're not really on home ice you get the last change that sort of thing and uh yeah you want to win every game just to get primed for the games that really really count the playoffs
0: I I gotta ask you though um where we stand now and getting this thing restarted and all that have you been this excited about Flyers hockey in a long time I think there's that little feeling in the air that this team has a chance to do really something special
1: Yeah, I do. I do feel it. And uh, you look at the other three teams. I'm not feeling that about the other three teams. (laughs) Certainly not the Sixers. You know that. Uh, Yeah, and with Carter Hart playing well, I'm feeling something special here, and I'm going to talk about that later in my parting shot.
0: All right. Well, hey, uh, Chet, Phillies finally got back in action Monday after a week layoff. The bullpen imploded again in New York. They get rained out on Tuesday. They're back for a doubleheader today uh, where they're at, uh, Citizens Bank Park put their visitors in the opener. <laughs> they win that game, and the bullpen, after six fine innings from Zach Wheeler, tries to give up or does give up four in the bottom of the seventh, seventh inning doubleheaders, by the way, uh, to make an 11 3 game into 11 7, and they end up having to bring Hector Nares in to close the door
1: yeah i'm glad they put up a lot of runs that was nice to see for the first time this year they uh, filled the scoreboard bryce hit his second home run he's got five ribbies now in five games so that's good i understand he left with a little tweak hopefully nothing serious i didn't see the lineup for the second game but i'm assuming it's nothing serious uh zach wheeler had a rough first inning but then settled down he looked good so that was great to see we got nola going in the second game then of course Zach Eflin, you don't know what you're going to get from him in the Thursday game. We shall see. But if you can win two out of four against the Yankees, however you do it, heck, I'd take it.
0: Oh, absolutely. And uh, winning tonight with Nola would be nice. A sweep would be, uh, would be a big uh, move for the, for the Phils. And by the way, Jay Happ today, I believe it was the third inning, threw 47 pitches for the Yankees. Gave up four runs on one hit. The one hit was the home run by Harper. They just kept walking, guys, after that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wanted J Hat back uh, with the Phillies a year or two ago, and he was available. But now I'm not so sure.
0: Yeah, right, right. Well, it's going to be interesting to see. And by the way, uh, Jed, I know you're a avid listener to that morning uh, sports show um, on that on that network. Uh, this, the, what is it, the ten o'clock show? Just took Joe Girardi to task today.
1: Ah, uh, yes. Uh, on WIP, that would be Joe Uh Not a big fan of the way Girardi has handled things this year. And I got to be honest, I kind of agree with him, especially his moves with the bullpen. It's been questionable, to say the least. So uh, hopefully he'll improve on that. I think he's putting out a good lineup there every day. But as far as uh, the bullpen moves, yeah, bringing in the rookie in the first game, going to Cole Irvin in the third game of the year who doesn't belong in the big league. Some of these bullpen guys, as we discussed the last two weeks, we never heard of them until we saw them in the game. So, man, I don't know how much that is on him, how much of it is on Matt Clentak, but they've got to do a better job. And hopefully, you know, Joe's going to feel these guys out and learn who we can trust and who we cannot as we go along here.
0: Yeah, it was really John Ritchie was the one that went went all in on uh, the overratedness of Joe Girardi. Joe oh, okay. Cameron was uh, kind of hanging in there, okay, but John Ritchie was uh, not very happy with what he had seen so far from Joe Girardi. Heck, it was a four game sample, Chad. You know, nothing happens in four games.
1: Yeah, and, but as we said, you know, or as they said, if Kapler made some of these moves, people would be killing Kapler for some of the moves he's done with the bullpen.
0: That That's fact. No no argument there. Well, let's see how it plays out. Uh, you know, um, Spencer Howard, it seems like we may get to see him uh, come the weekend. I guess they have a to-be-determined spot on that pitching uh, line card so far. They haven't announced it. and. Certainly, everybody's wanting to see him get to the big leagues.
1: Yeah, uh, Jim Salisbury said it could happen as soon as Sunday. I would love to see it. I know he pitched in uh, a scrimmage game last Friday. I assume he was doing something maybe yesterday or today. Uh, if if they could bring him up Sunday and, you know, he impresses, that would be awesome because who would you rather see, Spencer Howard or Zach Duffin or Vinny Velasquez or Nick Pavetta again?
0: Yeah, I mean – You don't want to see the kid come up and get shelled and lose his confidence and all that, but um, the other guys are going to get shelled too because they've been doing it for years.
1: Yeah, so bring the kid up, see what he can do. Um, It's a crazy season. I mean, look, the Marlins, who hadn't played in a week, played with a bunch of fill-in guys yesterday and shut out Baltimore to improve to 3-1. and So (laughs) – they're on a pace to win 45 games out of 60
0: (laughs) and i don't know what i don't know what the score is now but they were winning again this afternoon too so uh they have 17 new players that were not on the opening day roster a week and a half ago
1: yeah because everybody else is in quarantine still so (laughs) what a story that would be
0: yeah yeah well and and with that major league baseball as we said they've got a problem and uh you know, Cincinnati or St. Louis and Detroit are canceling games, the Marlins, the Orioles, the Yankees, everybody's behind in games. It's it's going to be a mess and they're they're even tweaking the schedules around to try to make things fit. I and mean, this I don't even know how they're possibly going to get 60 games in or what happens if one team gets 60 in and then one gets 52 in. How's that yeah. going to work?
1: Well, they say it's going to go by, I guess, percentage. So you could only play 52, but if you've got a higher percentage than the team that plays 60, you could technically win the division. Now, there's got to be some kind of cutoff. Like what if something happens with the Marlins again, and they only play you know, 38 games, but they're 25 and 13? You can't have that. So hopefully Major League Baseball knows what it's doing, but I'm not so sure with that man. <laughs> no, I'm
0: not so sure either. So, hey, we're going to talk Sixers where uh, D-Line will be with us here shortly, Chet. Uh, I know uh, they, they managed to pull that game out today. They won, ended up winning, winning handily, uh, although it was close after three quarters, somewhat close after three quarters. Uh, I don't know about this team, Chet.
1: Well, on the bright side they did better than what they did in the previous two games when they gave up 46 and 43 points in the fourth quarter alone to teams that were kind of shorthanded. Now, Washington, again, a team that was a little shorthanded, you know, John Wall's out. Another guy is out. Um, they hung around, but the Sixers at least did put them away in the final quarter. And I think they held them to like 25 points or whatever in that final period, but it shouldn't have been that close, even that long. Um, Sixers improved to 2-1 and since the return to play with games that count. They're probably still going to end up in the sixth seed. They could still have a shot at moving up to fifth, but now losing to Indiana, the Pacers have that tiebreaker. So we'll see what happens there. The the other thing of note out of today's game was Ben Simmons missing the entire fourth quarter. He apparently tweaked his knee. Uh, Initial reports were it was nothing serious. Hopefully that is the case, but – We'll see. Uh, Joel Embiid's been a monster. He's played well. He's played, you know, 30-plus minutes each game. And uh, he, he's a machine out there. So, that's good. Keep him beat healthy and you got a chance. Well,
0: I tell you, Chet, uh, and I, I should have written this down because I don't remember it, but one of uh, our Facebook followers uh, in about the third quarter put up a challenge to Ben Simmons that he knows, he knows that he is a better shooter than Ben Simmons. that that he's not a better player than him but he knows in a challenge shootout he would beat ben simmons because ben simmons is that bad
1: yeah one of these days we're going to stop talking about ben simmons being unwilling (laughs) to take an outside shot i didn't see it but i know he did attempt one three in the first quarter today he missed it at least he took it but i don't i didn't see him take another three or any kind of shot from you know beyond 12 or 13 feet so I would love to see it, but uh, I have my doubts. Let's get let's yeah. get someone on who can maybe tell us more about that situation. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I just came back from playing golf, so I'm not exactly there. I
1: you are now. Wait a second! You were playing this. golf. You didn't get to see the Sixers game.
3: I uh, no. I watch the Sixers. I mean, I play golf and then I watch the Sixers. Ah, so okay. I'm in my golf attire, I don't really like to be seen so to speak but if you ask me <laughs> to i will
0: thank you d you know d life is good when you're out playing golf and bill melzer was just on with us talking flyers and he was pitching batting practice to his boy so life is pretty good not
3: bad not bad, not
0: bad. well hey d thanks for coming back again uh, we, we always appreciate having you and uh let's talk sixers what do you think uh Chet and I were talking a little bit about this, and they played pretty well today. Um, Is this team ready to actually make a run? To me, not so much. No.
3: No, and actually I feel bad because I was so sold uh, during the scrimmages. I liked how they looked. I liked their philosophy. I liked and believed everything they were telling me, and it was all Like, it, it's just more of the same. Um, yeah, I don't know what Ben's injury will be with his left knee there, but I would say to you that I, I called my dad and I said those first two regular games, season games, seated games, whatever you want to say, he hasn't looked good at all. Um, and I think something's bothering him. I don't know what it is. But I can always tell when something's not right with that guy and something's definitely not right. And it was before he hurt his knee in the third quarter. So that would be my one concern. Uh, Shake Milton, okay. He came back after the bad first game. I have a big problem with him not addressing the media and using the injustice as a front for that. And I think Adam Silver needs to address this. I know he's not a star, but that is ridiculous. I have backed this guy from day one because I loved how he developed in the G League, but that is so wrong on so many levels, and that should not be allowed. So I'm having a hard time pulling for him. And Joel puts up numbers, but it doesn't always look great. So it's it's a team that's hard to root for, quite frankly.
1: Oh, wow. Okay, D. Hey.
0: I mean, I'm just being D.
3: honest. I'm being honest.
0: <laughs> D and I have not spoken.
1: I and know. She sounds I know.
0: just like me.
1: Oh, I know that. I know how you feel, Bill. Hey, D, your colleague at 97.5, Mike Missinelli, is not a fan of Furcon, Corkmaz, or Hole Neto, or Brett Brown's rotation in general. What's your take on how Brett's been using his bench?
3: Uh, I think Brett looks like right now that he's. Uh, struggling, that he doesn't feel in control of what he wants to do. Um, I, I think Furkan belongs in the rotation. I know Mikey Miss is not a fan of the guy. The guy does shoot the highest percentage from three, and you are left with the roster that he and Elton Brand made. Okay, so that guy has to be out there because you have to honor his ability to make the three-point shot. The Raul Neto part of it, to me, again, I think that all goes back to Joel and Shake getting into a tiff on that first game. Because otherwise, I don't think Neto would even be a part of the rotation. Hmm. I really don't. And to me, if you're going nine deep, Alec Burks has proven to be a guy who can flat out get you a couple buckets. And he should be if you need him quote a uh, backup point that isn't shake or you wanna do that, then Alex a guy. So the netto thing to me is silly.
0: Yep. Well D, I don't know if I'm the only one, but i I'm, I just have no real love for Joel M B. He he doesn't do it for me and uh you know, they're building this franchise around him. You don't know what nights he's yeah. going Brett Brown's future is definitely in Joel Embiid's hands. And I said this to Chad, I guess it was last week or sometime since. His boy, Michael Jordan, he didn't miss games. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar didn't miss games. Magic Johnson didn't miss games. You know, I I I'm just not on this train, and I don't think I can get
3: there. I hear you. Uh, the only thing I will tell you is that you cannot deny the numbers the guy does give you. Absolutely. And, yeah. And, and my other thing is defensively who they are without him on the court is undeniable. And you can't even like compare it to something else because it's that drastically different. So I hear you though. He is very hard to pull for. And I say, you know, you have to be available first and foremost, and he has not been that. So we'll see, right? Right now he is, but I want to see when the postseason rolls around. For me, I could not put my money on that he will play every postseason game. I can't do it.
0: Me neither. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm with you. All right, so if the Sixers stay at number 60, they'll likely square off against the third-seeded Celtics, assuming they stay there. Yeah, that's a series that could go either way. Are the Celtics, especially when they go small, going to be a tough matchup for the Sixers?
3: I mean, look, in the regular season, the Sixers beat them three times. So they have that feather in their cap, right? Um, Has Brad Stevens done a good job against these guys in the postseason in years past? Yes. I don't know who could stop a Joel Embiid. Seriously, who's playing this guy? Yeah, and he should be able to dominate. Today we're talking about a thirty and eleven game against a really bad Wizards team, but the problem is, is they have nobody in the middle. So, I would say I don't like that Ben doesn't seem like himself because you need Ben and Josh Richardson to be able to defend their perimeter guys because they go, you know, basically they like four perimeter guys. And I think Tatum and Jalen Brown. Now I haven't paid enough attention in the bubble, so to speak, but before the bubble, those two guys were playing out of their minds. Marcus Smart came back healthy. I never really find him to be a threat offensively. He's a pest defensively, but I would put my money on the Sixers in that series because I just don't know who could slow down Joel.
0: Hey, D, I I have to ask you this. This is kind of the elephant in the room for me because uh, you you mentioned Shake Milton and his position on the interview. Uh, NBA made some serious decisions in in regards to this whole social issues. And if you can believe some of the things you're reading, the – The TV ratings apparently are not good. Um, Hmm. are, Are they going to recover from that, assuming that information is correct? Are they going to be able to be what they think they are? Or is this really going to have a toll, do you think, on the fan bases, not only in Philadelphia, but throughout the country?
3: So I have not. Just to be fair, I have not read what the ratings are. So I'll take your word on that part of it, but I will tell you this. I think that for me personally, I felt that these seeding games, there's so little to be gained by very few, right? And even if you're jumping up four to five, who cares? Four or five with no home court doesn't matter. <laughs> So I would be more interested in seeing if those ratings are the same when the playoffs are all around, because that would be the true telling, you know, that people are turned off and I don't think that will be the case. I think people, I think people want to see playoff basketball. I do. Uh, and I think they're just kind of waiting around for that to happen. But you could be—you could be true on that. They are turned off by, you know, all that is being done. You know, I had a guy uh, on the golf course two days ago say to me he thought it was too much that they put Black Lives Matter on the court. And they and they said, you know, what if what if somebody wanted to put, you know, something pro-Trump, would they allow that? And I said, of course they wouldn't allow that. But they felt, this person felt that this was overstepping the point. Like, it's okay to wear the T-shirt, but now that you're putting it on the court, it seems too much for the league to be doing. I don't know one way or the other. Um, I don't know anybody who has not watched because of that. But maybe you have, and maybe the ratings are reflecting that. I would say... The ratings are reflecting these are meaningless games. And when the playoffs roll around, I think that people will watch.
1: Very interesting. Hey, if the Sixers lose in the first round or even the second round, is it a given that Brett Brown is gone, D?
3: Wow. I mean, Chet, I feel that it's very hard in this COVID time to hold <laughs> – Hold people the same accountability as past years. I would say the first round, the pressure will be great. Um, I think I would also have to look at the economics of it, right? So they're going to lose money no matter what. Sure. He's on the hook for I think two more years, correct? Not believe. one. I think it's two more. Yeah. So I w- I think the combination of two more years, very strange times, you would have to have a horrific postseason play to make that happen. And, but, you know, if you lose to Boston in that first round, the city's going to be up in arms and the pressure could be great enough. And he's six years in, so... Yeah, but I, I wouldn't want to, you know, that's a tough one for Josh Harris and company to have to do, just because uh, I, I think people look at this and say, how are we even doing this, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's baseball, football, basketball, it just seems so different than anything you've been asked to do in your job in the past.
1: Yep. I think we've temporarily lost Bill, but uh, Dee, let me get an official prediction from you. You think the Sixers will win the first round? You kind of alluded to that. Is that going to be it for them, one round and done?
3: Well, unfortunately, I said on my radio show, this is before the real game started. I, I had them going to the Eastern Conference Finals. I said it would be a very tough road to go. Uh, I absolutely do not believe that, having watched their basketball this week, but I did say it, and I'm going to stand by it, because I felt so convinced during their scrimmages that they had turned a corner, and clearly I was wrong, but I'll stand by it, because I made the prediction, so I'll say Eastern Conference Finals, and I did not have them going to the NBA Finals. I had them getting beat.
0: Okay. Well, I, you there. I got knocked off. I got knocked off there, so I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what y'all talked about. But I, I will say this: if you already said it, tell me, uh, Brett Brown. Yeah, that's what we
1: talked me? about. Uh, oh, it's gonna be, okay. it's gonna be
3: a, a I tough think it, situation. Yeah, but no, I think it's hard. I think it's hard in to to be able to predict. I know that the obvious is if he doesn't get out of the first round, he's, he's gone. gone. Right. But I did say that the economics and also the strangeness of this entire year, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the obvious would be that he's gone. But if they kept him, it would be because of the unique circumstances yes. that everybody has been held to have to deal with. And that, that wouldn't su- surprise me.
0: Gotcha. Well, they, um Thanks for coming by. You're busy. I know you're always busy. You, are you still able to do your teaching and all now that we're yes. virtual?
3: Well, I, I have to do it online, which isn't my favorite. But, uh, yes, I still teach. I still do the radio. Um, I'm I'm on 97.5 on the weekend, Saturday, mm-hmm. Sunday. But, but I've I been able you. to do a couple six- or pre-game, post-game stuff. So that's been fun. And, uh, yeah been great oh d i gotta ask you
1: one other thing before we go trending topic over the weekend your father's beard
3: beard (laughs) everybody says he looks like
1: either a leprechaun or an amish guy so what is your take (laughs) on his beard
3: my my take is i actually like it um i put on social media keep rocking it big jimmy because (laughs) it doesn't distract to me from the knowledge the guy brings to the table every day so you know he grew it because of the pandemic he likes it it's helped his golf game if you're superstitious <laughs> I get that <laughs> and uh like I said it it never takes away from what the guy brings to the table and you're always going to learn something from that man so Absolutely. I'd say keep it going
0: fantastic like it. well Dean thanks again for joining us uh we'll get you back here but as we get into playoffs hopefully the Sixers keep playing
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm counting on it.
0: Yeah. Um, Thanks, Dee. Sounds good. Thanks, Dee. Have
3: a great night.
0: Thanks. You too. Hey, Chet, let's take a quick break and thank our friends at the PPCC 118 Razz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They've changed some things up with the very popular mystery boxes and razzes with just 11 lines available. So your chances of winning are 1 in 11. Great odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC118RazzRoom. That's right. PPCC118RazzRoom on Facebook.
1: And, hey, Bill, before we move along, another anniversary of sorts to mention. It was 40 years ago this week that Pat Benatar released her classic album, Crimes of Passion, featuring songs like Treat Me Right, You Better Run, Hell is for Children, and, of course, this one. I like Pat Benatar.
0: How many years was that?
1: 40 years ago, pal, 1980.
0: Okay. All right, Chet, great guest tonight, Bill at the lineup, who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio for show number 300 next week.
1: Yeah, Bill, I was going to say, I knew you were aware of it. Uh, <laughs> we've been doing our show for six and a quarter years now, and next week we'll be number 300. Hard to believe, Harry. Anyway, next week we're going to talk a bit about how the hell we've made it to that milestone, <laughs> and we'll also be joined by our old pal Wheels, not Zach Wheeler, but Chris Wheeler so nice, nice. for that all right is there
0: a possibility of having a second guest there guess is a guess?
1: possibility i am working on that as well so uh another baseball
0: guy another baseball guy
1: um maybe i know what you're alluding to maybe <laughs> all
0: right just checking hey chet doug peterson is in the covid 19 protocol players are opting out of the season there seems to be a lot of confusion in the nfl what do you make of it um Where's this
1: thing going to go? It's one of the reasons I'm really having doubts about the NFL completing this season, Bill. You've got a coach coming down with it. You've got dozens of players opting out, including seven New England Patriots. Uh, and then you're expecting guys to play a sport where there's constant contact throughout the game. And some guys will probably have it and it didn't show up on the test, you know, that previous day or that morning. I just really have my doubts that they're going to be able to pull this off, you know, playing the game of football. Uh, and everybody staying COVID-free. So what do you think?
0: Well, I I think the Matt Stafford deal out there with the Lions is is an interesting case point here. You know, he tests positive, and then it turns out it was a false positive. He tested again negative. His whole family came in, got tested. They were all negative. He goes negative, negative, negative again, and he still can't practice because he had a false positive you just can't have that kind of error uh, when you're going to try to play professional football when every game matters.
1: Yeah. It's going to be very interesting to say the least. Um, So you got Doug kind of coaching remotely right now. Deuce is doing, I guess, more of it until Doug is back healthy. Uh, You know, we, we had Lane Johnson and a couple of other guys test positive as well. So they were quarantining. Um, And then you're expecting guys to also play games without having any, preseason games, limited time together, and, and we've talked in past years about how the first couple of weeks of the regular season are sometimes a little sloppy. Wait till this September. Right,
0: right. Well, I think, you know, the, the meetings and all the virtual stuff and Doug being involved, just like what we're doing here, uh, I, that part's fine to me. You can chalk talk all day on screens and, and, and all that. That is fine, and I think you know, these guys are pros. They can go out and actually do the practice, but they're doing, you know, what we're in the 5th of August, and they're doing just starting walkthroughs. And in a month from now, they're going to be playing for real. And there's not going to be a whole lot of contact. Um, I don't think they even have that part right yet. And still, every day going through getting tested. It's just, And and, and it still looks like there's going to be no fans. It certainly seems like it's going that way. So it's a mess.
1: Yeah, and in the next couple of days, we may have more guys opting out. I think uh, they were hoping for a Thursday deadline, at least the league was. The players were still iffy on that. But whenever they do set the deadline, whether it's Thursday or this weekend or next week, I think you're going to have more players opting out at the last minute, just deciding, hey, this is not worth it.
0: Well, what the NFL is trying to do is they're trying to move the date up yeah. so that they they either say they're staying, they're staying, and, you know, you wait till next week, there's more chances of more guys opting out. Of they course. don't want that. You know, yeah. they don't want so that.
1: We'll see. Yeah. that uh, Whenever the deadline is, gonna, there's going to be a bunch of guys at the last minute, I predict, saying I'm opting out.
0: Yeah. Well, and the other interesting thing before we run out of time on this topic is New England Patriots, as you said, have six or seven guys. Uh, positive, or opting out. Yeah, uh, they come off the salary cap. You can then you start adding players. Ah, uh, okay. So there's there's all kinds of little tweaks to the rules here that uh, you know some people are pretty good at taking advantage of. Like yeah. up in New England.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I know what you're saying there.
0: So. Uh. Hey, Chet, let's move on. We modified, updated our Philly Press Box Radio website. You can now watch this podcast. We have our Vimeos, current Philly sports articles, some articles we've written, as well as now having our YouTube channel that's picking up some steam. I
1: was just looking at the YouTube channel today, Bill. There's now 30 Philly Press Box Radio videos on there. Our last 16 full shows and various other separate segments or special things. People seem to be liking them. Uh, You know, I posted uh, the Bernie Perron interview from back in April on uh, the Bernie, Parite, Bernie Perrant Facebook page. And we got another like 30 hits over the last couple of days on that one because everybody loves Bernie. You know that. But we do want more subscribers. We're greedy. So please go to the YouTube uh, site on uh, there and type in Philly Press Box Radio in the search tab and hit subscribe. Nothing to it. And, of course, it is totally free. And tell your friends about it too.
0: All right. How about a parting shot for you tonight since we're out of time already?
1: I didn't write anything down, but uh, one thing, as, as you noted and you posted on Facebook, more cutbacks in the media. NBC Sports Philadelphia, which, you know, in past years got rid of Neil Hartman, Leslie Goodell, d Uh Now they're getting rid of more people. Paul Hudrick, who does some of the uh, podcasts uh, talking about the Sixers. Greg Murphy, longtime Philly sideline reporter. He's been there a good while. He's going to finish out the season and he's battling COVID right now. In the meantime, Uh, he's going to be gone. And of course, Derek Gunn, after 23 years, one of the originals uh, was told they no longer need his services. So, It's just a shame. I mean, I understand cutbacks. People are cutting costs. Uh, They've been hurt hard by the COVID. But you feel badly for the individuals who it's affecting and their families. Like D. Gunn, a a great guy. And some of the other names that are out there are not official yet. I know you you know who I'm referring to. Some sideline reporters uh, will apparently be cut after the current seasons. So that's a shame also. I feel badly for all these people. I hate to see anybody lose their job, so I wish them all the best.
0: Yeah, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about money, you know, and and uh, the the people you mentioned, you know, that have been there 20, 23 years, they're probably making the most money, and they're the ones that are going to go, unfortunately. And uh, I also saw a note where that Al Morgandy, uh looks like he might be on the block uh, from doing his post-game shows, which I, I think Al's a pretty good hockey.
1: Yeah, Al certainly knows his hockey. He's, you know, been around the area forever. And uh, it's just a shame. I hate to see this happen to good people like this who know their stuff. But because they've been there a while, they're making more money. Like you said, that's one way to cut some costs.
0: Yep, yep. Well, hopefully they all land on their feet. And, uh, you know, they're all good people and and certainly good at their jobs. Yeah.
1: Hey, one other thing. One other thing. Happy birthday to our buddy, Mark Eccle, today. He's uh, somewhere around our age. I don't know exactly, but he looks good for 80. I'll say that about Mark. (laughs) I'm I'm just kidding, Mark. We love you. And separately, Lonnie Anderson, 75 today. Were you a Lonnie Anderson fan? I was. Well, yeah. <laughs> of course you were. Course. You were a young
0: guy in the 70s. Of course you were. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> that's all. All right.
0: Let's wrap it up. Let's thank tonight's special guest, Bill Melser D. Lineham, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Rad Room, and Dave Leboy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester, as well as our substitute producer, Chris Furman, continued to support the show. Uh, we tried to patch it together tonight. For Jim Chet this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Fox Radio next Wednesday, August 12th at 7 p.m. You can visit or you can see us live on Facebook or listen through our website, Philly on blogtalkradio.com slash Philly Pressbox Radio, on Google Podcasts, as well as Apple Podcasts and others. So with that, Chet, I hope Philadelphia Sports fans.